Our precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege we have tonight to hear your word, to study your word. Pray, Lord, that you open our eyes and grant us the grace to understand what we're saying tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we are continuing with doctrines of the church, part five. Doctrines of the church, part five. We are looking at the doctrine of the fruit of the spirit. After that, we'll go to the next one. We'll talk about the, the gift of the spirit. Text is Hebrews 6, verse 1. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance on into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God. In verse 3, I'm reading TPT. In verse 3, it says, So, with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. Deeper truths. Paul is saying the foundation has been laid when we came to Christ. We've been in church a while. Foundation has been laid so that it is time for us to go into the deeper truth. And he told us what the deeper truth is. He says we're turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God. Living the new life of Christ is the deeper thing of God. The old life controlled by flesh causes death. And they say we should move on to the new life which produces life. In Romans 6.20, for when you were slaves of sin, before we came to Christ, you were free in regard to righteousness. You weren't, doing, you weren't living this life he's talking about. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I keep telling Christians, you don't have the, you don't have the option of not living the, the, the life of Christ. You don't have the, the option at all. There is no other option for a Christian except to live the life of Christ. Because if you live the other life, you put yourself under, under the law of sin and death. You bring yourself under curse. Because the Bible says if you hate your brother, you are in darkness. And you don't know where you are going. When you bring yourself into darkness, you bring yourself into the influence of the powers of darkness. You did that by your choice. So we don't have any other option, though. We need to understand this, follow it, and enjoy all the privileges that he provides us when we live this life of Christ. It's important that you understand what we're teaching tonight. The deeper things of God. Therefore, it's how to bear fruit of the new life, according to Paul. How to move to perfection. How to move to perfection. Not just to say, many people can quote it. 
He came that we'll have life and have it more abundantly. That's fine. But the, 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 the main thing about it is that that life has to be seen in me, seen in you. He didn't give it to us to, to hold it. He gave it to us so that it becomes the life we live daily. And so this is the primary call when we came to Christ. There are other purposes that God, Christ uses us for, but this is the number one. This, living the life of Christ, is the number one goal of bringing us out of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom, is to be witnesses, to be witnesses of Christ by living his life. For action speaks louder than words. We read it before, 2 Timothy 1.9, for God saved us, called us to live a holy life. God saved us, called us to live a holy life. He did this, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. It was his plan to show us his grace through Christ Jesus to bring us into the experience of the life of Christ by grace. That was his plan. More than wanting to be a pastor, more than wanting to teach, more than wanting to be popular, have anointing, people follow you. The most important thing is to live the life of Christ. And every Christian should have a paradigm shift. Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Transformed into a new creation. Transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. They are the Christians. I'm a, I, I, I can say without fear of, of being wrong that majority of Christians don't have this, para, 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 this understanding that the main call upon their life is to live this life. Majority don't. Many people don't. Saved us and called us to live a holy life, the life of Christ. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. You can read so many scriptures that is instructing us as Christians that the life of Christ, living this life, is the primary call upon your life. That's why the Bible says, you can do miracles all you want. You can move mountains all you want. You can speak language. You can preach powerfully. But if you don't live this life of love, you are nothing. If you are not bearing this fruit of love, because God is love, nothing. Everything that is done in love is done in God. And Paul said that it should be our 
number one goal beyond seeking the gifts of the Spirit, the number one goal of the Christian, the number one people of God is to live the life of Christ beyond raising the dead, beyond all of that, is to live the life of Christ. That's what brings God greatest glory than every other thing. Living the life of God. Living the life of Christ. And that's what the enemy uses to abuse our message of salvation. When we don't live it, he uses it as an example to discourage people. So this is one of the major reasons that God gave us the five offices of the church. Every pastor, every evangelist sitting in those five offices, you must know this. I said it the other time. This is why God said, the scripture said that God will give us teachers that will feed us with knowledge and understanding. He said to Peter, if you love my sheep, feed them for me with knowledge and understanding. So one of the reasons, the primary reason that God gave us the offices of the church is to teach us and build us until we express the, the character of Christ in its fullness. Until we come to the unity of faith where we believe what God believes and among us we believe the same thing. And we are grounded in this knowledge so that we are matured and we can't be pushed around. And then we come to the fullness of Christ, the full maturity of his, who he is, of his person. You see that the whole thing is going to one goal. To live the life of Christ. Not just his character, but his faith too. The type of faith he exercised, to exercise it. So Ephesians 4.11 tells us why God gave us people in the church, in the offices, five offices. Ephesians 4.11, he also gave apostles, prophets, missionaries, I'm reading God's word translation. Missionaries, that is uh, um, evangelists. As well as pastors and teachers as gifts to the church. Their, their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. What builds us up? The sincere milk of the world. To build up the body of Christ starting, this is to continue until all of us are united in our faith and in our knowledge. Shepherds who will feed you with knowledge. What kind of knowledge? It's not the Moses, laws of Moses. Christ didn't bring us laws of Moses. The knowledge is specified. He said the knowledge about God's son. The knowledge about God's son. Until we become mature. Until we measure up to Christ. Measure up to his character, his, 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 his nature. Until we measure up to 
Christ, who is the standard. That's what the pastors are supposed to be doing. That's the whole goal of everything. Because that's why he called us. Again, the Christian must have a paradigm shift. You know, in our lives, we pursue so many things. Legitimate. But now the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the reason I really, the primary reason I call you. So that you make it your number one pursuit. So verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children. See? Tossed, carried about by all kinds of teachings that change like wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. Instead, as we lovingly see now, we're developing this life of Christ, life of love. So when we speak now, our language portrays it. As we lovingly speak the truth, we will grow up. We will grow up. And this was Paul's passion for all believers. Paul had tremendous passion. That man had an understanding of divine purpose. Galatians 4.19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. Why are you doing this, Paul? They will continue. I'm not stopping until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Because this is the primary call. They knew, he knew what God sent him to do. The gifts, the offices of the church. He knew that God sent him to teach them until Christ is fully developed in their life. New King James says, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And formed in you, it's very, it's very important. We should note that word formed in you. Because Christ is formed in you first before you see it as Because all the issues of life come from the heart. I keep telling people, you receive by your spirit first. Before you see it naturally. The word has to jump out of that Bible you're carrying or reading. And take residence in you. Become a living reality. This is scripture I've been struggling with for some time. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Until my heart popped open. And what God is saying is that many Christians, Jesus is not alive in them by faith. They don't, they, they, it's what they say. But Christ living in them is not they don't have a consciousness and the reality of it. That word is not living in them. Brethren, if the word of God, the word that does not live in you is not going to produce anything for you. It's the truth you know that works. It's not the truth that you talk about and yell about. So you say, Christ should be formed in you first. You should know the truth about how you received the new life of Christ. That truth should be dwelling in you and become a reality in you. And so it's developed in you. 
out of your heart come all the issues of your life. So when you talk, you talk it. And then it controls your actions. That's why meditation is important. And you know we meditate all the time. Oh, Ugo, my son, said something very amazing. I had a family meeting yesterday, fa- family fellowship yesterday. Because yesterday was Onyeka's birthday, so we were celebrating that. So he said, how come that we Christians, that we give our minds to think about sexual immorality, about what somebody did, what somebody did to us? He said, we meditate on all those things. We give our mind to that. How come we can't give our mind to the things of Christ? Why is it that we easily give our minds to things that are mundane, things that are useless? In our quiet moments, we're always meditating on something. Planning business, planning money, planning dollar. What is what we spend time doing? That young boy was saying, how come that we can't keep our minds disciplined on the thing that matters most, what God has said? First Peter 2 9, and I'm reading AMPC, says, But you are a chosen race. It's talking about us Christians. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. Remember that in the Old Testament, they, this was, God said, This is what I had in mind for you, but they couldn't make it through the law. But now in Christ, this is who we are. That you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased. Special people. What is the purpose of all of this? That you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him. That's the purpose of all of this. So if I'm not doing that, I am missing the very number one purpose of bringing me out of darkness to become a chosen person, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. I am missing out the number one purpose of God. To display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. To display the virtues, the character of Christ. So these truths need to sink into us. This truth needs to sink into us. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, in Luke chapter 9, verse 44, so let this word sink down into your ears. It needs to sink in, people. There are a lot of things that don't sink in. It won't, it won't help. If you like, be going around and wasting your time. It won't help. It won't help. Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, You don't have the love of God in you, and you don't have my word in you also. Now, this is one of the most misunderstood topics in Christian world about the fruit of the Spirit. People have, people have called it all manner of stuff and talked all manner of stuff about them. And they are wonderful people. Everybody means well. But what does the Bible say? This fruit of the Spirit is not about the law. You can't even be it by the law. Remember when the law was given, Christ hasn't come. So how can you bear the fruit of his life when he hasn't come? 
Are you going to bear it through the law? <laughs> you tell me how to bear his life through. He hasn't come. So thou couldn't produce his life. So this, that system of obeying the law of Moses is a totally different system with all this. When you want to go to the law, remember the law has all the sacrifices, all these things you need to do. So when people talk of the law, they don't understand what it means. It means going back to the entire Old Testament system. That's what the law means, all of it. And like I said last week, Moses wrote them take and divorce their wives. Under the law, yeah, the ages are said, under the law, Moses told us we can divorce our wives. So when you, t- when you go to the Lord, you're also telling people you can divorce your wife. I'm married like David. Married like Solomon. And last week I was saying, the Lord teaches an eye for an eye. Jesus came and dismantled all of those things. He said, it's a new era now. You had hardness of heart. He said, you had it all said, and I said, no, but no more like that anymore. Now you should love people. You should love your enemy. Not an eye for an eye anymore. He dismantled all of that. So we can't even go back to that. So that system of the Old Testament is an entirely old system. It has nothing to do with the New Testament at all. There are two divergent systems. They, they, they have no meeting point. God has nothing to do with the entire law system. God has set up a new system and moved on. So it is not about laws. It's not about let me obey the laws of God. It's not about that. It is life. It is life. It is about life. That's powered by the Spirit of God. Because it is only this life of Christ that can bring you to perfection. Bring you to God's standard of holiness. Christ being the standard. It's only his life. When he lives it through you, he can bring you to that standard of holiness that God is talking about. You can't get it by obeying the laws of Moses. So in, in, in Romans chapter 7 verse 4, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the law. We have died to the power of the law. We're no more under it. We're dead to it. I mean, you understand when you are dead to something, it means you react to it like a corpse. We're dead to, die to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result of this being united with him, we can produce a harvest of good deeds to, for God, not through the law. It is through Christ that has come into your life. This must be understood. Let me make a statement here. The reason many Christians don't see answer to prayers is because they have not understood that they can be accepted to God before God by their laws, by what they do. They have not understood that. They still think that God will accept them because they are good enough. They have achieved this. So they are struggling and thinking, if I obey the laws, then God, God will do this for me. 
No, sir. No, sir. You can't activate the power of God by those things. You activate the power of God by faith in Christ. The very power that can make you whole, you activate it the, the, by the, the strength that God has given you. The, Jesus said, the, the scripture says that we can do all things through that strength. You can only activate it when you start believing what God has told you in Christ Jesus. So they, they have, they are two divergent, they, they have no meeting point whatsoever. So Paul said in, in um, Hebrew 8.13. Oh, sorry. Let me finish Romans 7.4. Romans 7.5 now. When we were controlled by our own nature, sinful desire were at work within us, and the law arose, aroused those evil desires. See what the law did. See, the, the law is the thing that caused evil desires to arise in a, that produced a harvest of sinful deeds. I had, I'm not, I don't know, but I had that children who were raised under very strict very strict parental control, that they turn out worse. Because those things you don't want them to do, that devise the means of doing them. I'm perfecting it. That's what I had. They're right about it. You beat them. You don't let them do this. You don't let them do this. Behind you, they're perfected how to do all of those things. And what caused it is those laws you are giving them that was going and, and arousing all those things. When we were controlled by our old sinful nature, sinful desires were at work within us. Why? And the law aroused these evil desires that produced the harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. So we can't bring the law. Six, but now we have been released from the law. This is Bible. We've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no more are no more longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law. We don't serve God by that. But in the new way of living in the spirit, living the new life of this way. Born again. He that is born of the spirit is spirit. Look at what the scripture says about the Old Testament. Hebrews 8.30. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. Obsolete is something that is disposed. It's gone. Don't, it's, like, it's like using an expired card. It's obsolete. It is now out of date. And we soon disappear. Hebrews 7:19. For the law never made anything perfect. So what makes us perfect? But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw nigh to God. It is Christ that makes us perfect, brings us righteousness. And we draw nigh to God through Him. Can't draw nigh to God through the law. Galatians 2:21. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So the keeping the law could not make us right with God. That's why Christ came and 
died to wash away our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no even forgiveness of sins. Then he gave us this new life. Remember, an act of grace that will bring us to perfection. The life that God accepts is his life, which he gave us. And he wants this life to manifest in us. Again, it is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going through this. It's because this being a reconfusion in the body of Christ. So many people start from grace, end up in works. So many. I used to have that problem, like my roll all over the place. Wasn't sure where I started, where I'm ending. <laughs> you know, just like that. We must stay on that grace. This is the time of grace. Jesus says it's the acceptable year of the Lord when grace is being given. So it is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit either. For I've heard a lot of people teach, oh, that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have the power to live holy. And it's not true. It's not Bible. It's not Bible. God is not confused about what he does. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon people who already received the life. They already have the life we're talking about. They are already in union with Christ. They have died to their old self and risen in, with Christ in newness of life. They already are born again. They have Christ in them. And so it is that life they can live. They can live it. Because <clears throat> Christ in them is the strength of their life. The Lord is my strength. They already have it. So they're not waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have it. No, sir. The Holy Spirit didn't come to give us life. Jesus came to give us life. The Holy Spirit came to give us power. They're not the same thing. It's in black and white. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, Jesus is telling us why the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the... You won't hear where he's saying they anointed me to live the live holy life. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach to the whole world acceptable year of the Lord, the year of grace. He said, that's what he anointed me for. That's what he anointed me for, to do the work of the kingdom. To preach, to heal, to deliver people. He said, that's what he anointed me for. Then he said to us in Luke chapter 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. It is endowment of power from on high. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you shall receive power. You see what he's saying? Power. Power. After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me, unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And why 
Will Jesus need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because he came as a man. The Bible says he, he took the form of a man to be one of us. Because that's the only way he could die. God will not die. So he had to become a man to represent us, to shed his blood, and to die for us. And so being a man, he needed that baptism. And they're teaching us that what he did, we can do it because he became a man. And we too can walk in the same, the same life he's given us. And then the same baptism of the Holy Spirit, we make us do the same work he did. He said, the works I did, you do the same. So he didn't have any advantage. Except that he had the gifts of God manifesting in him. And he was sinless. But he said, the, the work I, I did, you can do it. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So you see these works he did, preach the gospel, heal the sick. He told us to do the same things. But he said, this power has to be on you. To anoint you for that. Now, I spoke about this Isaiah's prophecy, which is being used everywhere to, to teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, I honor people who do that, respect them. But I do hold a different view from the, for that. In Isaiah 11 verse 1, he says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Talking about Jesus. In verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, because he said the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, they now said, listen to this, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. They say, it is that spirit resting on you that gives you wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. See, it is that spirit that gives you counsel and might. Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I say no. What that is saying is that, yes, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. He said that. He said, the spirit of God is upon me, but it is for this and this and this. He never mentioned wisdom or knowledge any of this. Never. Say this for this and this purpose and for this purpose. Now, the Spirit of God that to support him, the Holy Spirit was telling us what that Spirit does. What that Spirit also does. Yes, it's the Spirit of the Lord and it's the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's what it does too. But he does it on another platform. It's not upon. Because wisdom and understanding is through your spirit. So he does it from within you. Yes, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, absolutely, yes. But he does upon, it's a different platform where you receive power. Inside, it's a different platform where he walks through your spirit, the born again spirit, and gives you revelation and understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He's talking about children of God who are born again. We receive the things that God gave us as salvation, all the things that are freely given of us to us. We received the spirit to show us these things. That is the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which you have received of him Abided in you. See, 
It's called the Holy Spirit, the anointing. That abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Why? It's in you. It's working in you. It didn't say it's upon you. No, it's in you. Yes, the spirit that rests on Christ is the spirit that also gives knowledge, revelation, better from another platform. And again, some of these people who think, you know, <laughs> they think I have the anointing. like it's, they have anointing. This is their own package of anointing. So I have anointing. <laughs> I have the anointing. <laughs> Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. You don't own the Holy Spirit. Stop all this kind of stuff. It's totally ridiculous. You don't, you don't own God. He uses you when he wants to. To the extent he wants to. And they are using it to bamboozle people, intimidate people. Everybody is afraid of it. has anointing. So you can't go and tell him your mind. Won't let you judge anything because he has the anointing. The Holy Spirit is here called the anointing. You don't have a portion, portion. No, he uses us as he wants. Comes upon you, he's upon, does what he wants to do, and that's it. The anointing lives. When we come to the gifts of the Spirit, we'll talk more about this. So now, what is the fruit of the Spirit then? We've said all these things to eliminate all these things that is being really a, a, a confusion that has clouded the real deal, which is the life of Christ in us, which we have read that God wants us to manifest his virtue. Manifest his virtue. His glory. That the reason he's calling us is so that we live his life. So what is this fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. If this is where you stop as a Christian, you won't go far. And this is where we stop generally in reciting it. That's even if we know it. Recite it all you want to. You need to know what it is and have that truth abiding in you. Again, it's the truth you know that works. It is not the Holy Spirit's responsibility to bear fruit in my life. So it's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is the fruit of my new nature, my new born again spirit. It is my responsibility to bear fruit. You have that responsibility to bear fruit. Jesus said it so. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I'll cut him. Cut him. And then he said, men will trample upon him, which means he loses spiritual authority. He can't exercise spiritual authority. And I said it, I said, there are many withered hands in the body of Christ. They can't pray. They don't know anything. They're roaming around, looking for who pray for them. They, can't, they, don't, they don't know how to go to God. They, Jesus said, when they're cast out, cast out, men will be trampling upon them. They're so weak. People push them here, push them there, trample upon them. They don't know where they are. 
And I say, many are like that. Make with the good church, the good church. And the good church, the good church. They know nothing. With that. They're not bearing fruit. You can't tell them apart from the heathens. It's just about the same thing. So we need to go beyond naming the fruit of the Spirit to knowing how to live it, how to produce it. Because it's the primary thing. It's the number one. That's why God gave us pastors and things. To know it and know how to live it. So, God's word translation brought it out correctly. There's one translation I saw that brought this thing out correctly. Correctly. Galatians 5.22, let me read it from there. But the spiritual nature, that's correct. It's my responsibility. It's my spiritual nature. The new nature I was given produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are no laws against things like that. It's my spiritual nature. The born-again experience is not just Pentecostal jargon. It is still reality. I'm born a spirit. I am born a spirit being. I am born of God. I'm a chip off the block of God. I came from God. We are no more of this earth. We don't belong to this world. So it's my spiritual nature that is, um, the, the God is saying, he expects me to live it, to manifest it, to live it up. He's giving it to me. All things that pertain to life and godliness has been given. So there's no point going and praying to God and bothering God. He's giving me this life, all of them in Christ. It's what I do with it that matters now. Romans 6 from verse 1 begins to teach us the things we must know to be able to produce this truth. Now it says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. That's not our call. Of course not. Why? Oh, I thought anger is, is, anger is uh, you, know, you know us now. My own is... I'm not talking of me, it's not my own. They talk their own is anger. He runs in our family now. You know. I've been trying to stop it too. You know, I've been trying to do my best to stop. That's not what the Bible teaches. You haven't understood how to live the new life yet. Your confession is faulty. And what they are saying is evil communication. You are not yet in unity of faith with God. You don't believe what God believes about you. So how should it work? When you are not believing what God believes, you are not in unity of faith with him. The word of God you've thrown away. The, the, the seed is not in you. Because out of the abundance of your heart, you are speaking what you, what you believe about yourself. But look at what the scripture says about us. Romans 6, 1. Well, then, should we keep on seeing so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Of course not. Since we have died to sin. Talk to me. 
This is the witness of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says about you when you came to Christ. If you don't believe this, you are not in unity of faith with the Father. You are not in unity of faith with Christ. You are not in unity of faith with the Holy Spirit. Nothing will work. Since we have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? We have died to sin. It's not we are going to. So that praying to stop it and stop that. Can you go read the Bible and start believing the Bible? You have died to sin. He said. He said, "Can you? You are dead. a dead man doesn't do anything. He said, you are dead to this this thing." So it's not about ten commandments. It's about you have died to sin. It's a new day, a new life, a new reality. It's not about I'm trying to do this. No, 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 no. You have died to sin. Believe and see. Believe and see. Believe and see. Verse 3. Or have you forgotten, Christian, that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? That's what we are demonstrating. That's what I say when I'm teaching about baptism. I say the Water baptism teaches you the core truth of Christianity. It's not just you went into water and came out. No. It demonst- you demonstrate the core truth of, the core message of Christianity right there is that you died with Christ. Your old nature died with Christ. You rose up a new person, a new person that has a new life, the life of Christ, born again. That's what we do in baptism. That's why understanding the doctrine is very important. Verse 3 again, he says, Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? We died with him. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism when we joined Christ. Not baptism of water. When we became baptized into Christ, when we came to Christ and were joined with him, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live a new life. It's simple. That's all it, that's all it is all about. You die to Christ, you have a new life. So it's not about ten commandments. <laughs> you die to Christ, you have a new life. So you can't be living the old one because it's dead. Isaiah said, who believes our report? So the arm of the Lord will be revealed. That's why it's a work of faith. Verse 6, Romans 6 says, We know, man, this drives it home to me. Paul said, I know this. It's alive in me. This truth is real inside of me. It's active. It's abiding. That word is abiding. That word is living. That word is active in me. It's powerful. Scripture said it's living. It's alive in me. Paul said, I know it. It's a truth I've come to know. It's not something they, I mean, no, 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 I know. Okay? I've come to know this truth. In intimate knowledge, consciousness, I know it. What do you know, Paul? 
we know that our old sinful self we are crucified with Christ. We know it. <laughs> we know it. We believe this thing. On the cross, we are separated from the world. I'm not going to God to beg him to do, say, I'll stop this and stop that. No, already did what he should do. Separate me from this. Gave me his life. I said, go live it. All I need for life and godliness has been given to me. So why am I bothering God? If I'm bothering God, it's to say, Lord, open my eyes. Cause the, that's the, the prayer I pray all the time. Lord, let this word have entrance into me. Let it, be a, let it be a life. Let it be in my consciousness, in my knowledge. Let it, I'm not assuming anything. I have to see it work in reality. It has to come into me and bear fruit. Because I can't afford to live any other life. It's, it's risky. Because the other life, hmm, you don't want it. If I have time, I teach about the law of sin and death and the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That law still operates. It depends on where you want to be. You can be under any other. If God gives me time, one day I'll teach on it. And you see why Christians wreck their lives. You can activate the law of sin and death by walking under, under the, that, those iniquities and things. You can't. You can get into bondage again. What you've been freed for, you can throw yourself into bondage again. You can walk under the law of life and crisis. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through crisis. But the Bible says when we walk in righteousness, this holiness, it leads us to eternal life. But when we walk the opposite way, it leads us to death. These two laws are still operating. People don't know about it. So we know that our own sinful self were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's God dignifying us with the, with the gift of choice. A slave has no choice. When no, when before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Not anymore. Oh, not anymore, brethren. Not anymore. Not anymore. The testimony of God is here and there. I'm not a slave to nothing, and you are not either. For if the Son shall set me free, I'm free indeed. Seven. For when you died with Christ... We were set free from the power of sin. Believe, <laughs> believe this. So, verse eight. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with Him. Verse ten. When you die, you see, He keeps talking about when we die with Christ. This is what happened. When you die, He repeated this about three times. Now, verse ten. When He died. He died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. See, it's not by law. It's through Christ. It's not by Moses. It is through Jesus. 
He called us to live this life of holiness. He says, through the grace that he showed us in Christ. That's what this grace is, showing you what the works of grace have done, which you couldn't get any other way. Couldn't get any other way. So the question is, how do I evaluate myself as a Christian? And how do you evaluate yourself on daily basis? What do you see? What? Again, Ugo, my son. Ugo, Ugo is amazing. He said to us, he said, he said, Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? He said, but, you know, the point is, who do we say that we are? And who is Christ to us? Who is Christ to me? And who has Christ made me to be to him? Very important question. So, what has Christ made me to be to him? Oh, who, uh, yeah, I can talk about, but what has Christ made me to be to him? We've just been saying it now. They set us free from power of sin, gave us a new life, and we're raising a newness of life. That we should know this as a fact. It should be alive in us. It should, it should be alive in us, people. It should be alive. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a fruit. It's not by struggle or human effort. The seeds, Jesus said you go to bed, you'll be sleeping, you don't know when the seed comes out. Inside this world, it has enough power, intrinsic ability to produce on its own. On its own. It's life. It's powerful. It's spirit. It heals. It sets free. So the scripture says in Colossians 3, 2, think about the things of heaven. Man, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. Think about it. Don't, think, don't see yourself from the carnal point of view. See yourself from things of heaven. You died to this life. You died to it. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share, you know, his glory. Christ is now your life. He's taking, he's now the life in you. You know, that's why we don't really exercise a lot of authority. Our authority is, well, the word that produces authority does not live in many Christians. They quote it, that they can't exercise it with faith. It's not there. It's not there. Christ who is your life. Say, think. Think. What do you think about you? Think about the things of heaven. Think about where you came from. Not the things of the earth. Stop seeing things like the sea naturally. For you die to this life. You don't derive your information from this life. You die to it. You are a spirit being. You are living in a spirit kingdom, living in a spirit environment. You are a child of the living God. You are a master in power. You are a master in limitless abilities. You are joined to Christ himself. 
Your life is hidden in him. And Christ is now your life. It's not the commandments. Christ is now your life. Think about these things. Think about it. And Paul says something in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 16. And I'm reading New Living Trust. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. That's what we're talking about. How do I evaluate myself on a daily basis? From things of heaven, from things of this earth. Do I belong to this earth? Or is it just Pentecostal talk? Is that where I belong? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him. You know this scripture is not alive in many people. It's not alive. If it's alive, that's where you start. You start evaluating yourself completely differently. And so when I evaluate myself differently, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That's what I do, evaluate myself. It's not just to talk it, teach it, but in reality, a cautiousness, 24 hours, I don't see... I, you know, I don't think to know I'm a man. I know I'm a man. I live with that consciousness. But to live with the consciousness of the new person I am, the life I have, Christ in me, Christ my life. And the Bible says that Christ shall dwell in my heart by faith. And God said yes, because the fact that Christ is in us is not real to people. That truth is not living in them. If it does, they will overcome this world quickly every single time. The old life, let me read 17 again. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ is old, has become a new person. The old life is gone. That's what it is. A new life has begun. Fruit of the Spirit. It is this new life manifesting its character. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. Paul's life ambition was to see, to be seen in Christ and to live this resurrected life. It was because he knew that this is the primary call of God in his life. And we keep praying, God, open the eyes of Christians until they know the reason why you called them. In Philippians 3.9, and I want to be found in him. That's what he said. And to be found in him. I, I want to see myself in Christ. Not having my own righteousness, which of the law. Because that's not what gave me life. But that which is true faith in Christ. It is true faith in Christ. I get all these things. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Continue. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the power that raised him from the dead, and the fellowship of his suffering. Somebody is craving to, to suffer for Jesus. Man. Remember when they flogged them? 
They were dancing and happy that they suffered for Jesus. People are murmuring, slight testing their mama. This person told me this. They didn't do this to me. They're not alive in the spirit. This person is craving to suffer. He said, if I suffer, awesome. <laughs> Wonderful, because he suffered for me. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, this, this scripture is, is amazing. It's amazing. So what does it mean, attaining to the resurrection of the, of the dead? Being made conformable to his death is, I died with him. I rose with him. I want to attain the resurrection life that came out of me dying with him. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. That was his life ambition. He said, Christ is my life. In verse 12. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained this to know. That's tell you what, what he's talking about. Either we are already perfect. You see, he's saying that he called us to perfect life. The resurrected life. He said, I've not attained, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ. Understand why he called me to keep my focus on it. Continue. Starting. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, I forget those things that which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm, I'm in pursuit of this resurrected life to go from glory to glory. I press forward to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ, which is to show forth his character, his virtue, his glory, it's everything. God just needed a verse. Paul said I'm the verse. He said, I press forward to that. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, if in anything you be otherwise minded, quick me, if you don't understand this, God will reveal unto you, this unto you. So you understand it. And like we said, it is lived by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.14, either way, Christ's love controls us. You see what controls us? Is that new nature has become a dominant, the love of God has become a dominant life in us. Since, and the reason it happened, the reason the love of Christ controls us is this. Since we believe, since we believe, not since we doubt, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. That's why the love of this new life controls me. Believe that Christ died for me. I believe that I've died to my old life. 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. That's why this love controls me. Because I believe that he died for all, including me. I also believe that we too have died to our old life. So there's a new life I've received, 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Not 10 commandments. is the nature. 
Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He keeps pointing to the new life. Keeps pointing to it. I believe it died for me. I believe my old life is gone. I believe I have a new life. He said, that's the way I evaluate myself. And as a result of this faith, it's activated the life. The love of God controls me now. So he writes in Romans 6, 11, so you should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Then he says, now you have the freedom. You are no more a slave. Do not let sin control the way you live. You are no more a slave. You have a new life. You are no more a slave to sin. The power of sin has been destroyed. You have a new life. He said, do not now let any part of you become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, Give yourself completely to God for you were dead. See, it keeps going to this dead thing. You were dead, but now you have a life. It keeps going back to it. Brethren, it keeps going back to you are dead. Have a new life. You are dead. He hasn't told us one law to obey yet. But you are dead. Have a new life. You are, for you were dead. He said that's why sin can control you again. You should, you should know that. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Since 14, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. You live under the freedom of God's grace. So it boils down to what you believe about yourself. And since faith comes from the word of God, Faith for this life also comes from the word of God. So what fits my heart, like we read before, Joshua 1a said, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you have good success. The principle of meditation, confessing the word, applies here. But the book of the law is not what we use today. Joshua didn't have Jesus at the time. So they had only the law. But in our own day, we, we see now what the Holy Spirit is telling us in Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Not the book of the law. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. That's what should now fill our life. The message about Christ. Remember, he said, think about heaven. Your life is not of this earth. The message about Christ, I died with him. I rose in newness of life. I died with him. And when I died, the old man died. Sin doesn't control me again. So I can't yield to the, 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 the demands of sin anymore. He said, let this message about Christ fill your heart in all its richness. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual sins to God with thankful heart. John 15, 1. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Is it abiding? That's the point. You, he said, you ask what you will and, and 
You ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you be my disciples. Colossians 1, 3-1-4. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. I'm reading, reading um, I think it's a G-A, G, the good God's word, God's word translation. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why you are to learn to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm, not on television, not on internet. Not, you don't belong to this world. Feast on this brethren, heavenly realm, and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with distractions of this natural world. Colossians 1 says, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. When you understand it, when this world is in you, it changes your life. Paul tells us why people don't bear fruit. In, in Romans 8.5, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. Don't think about natural things. That's what they think about. Sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Things of God. Things of heaven. So letting your mind, sinful nature, control your mind leads to death. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and they will never. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, let me close with this scripture that the old saints of God wrote, Proverbs 4.20. My son attained to my word. Jesus said, if it abides in you, incline the ear unto my sins. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life. They are life. They are life. They are life unto those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep their heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege of Showing us how to bear this fruit of the Spirit. Paul said, I know my old life has died with him. The cross was a reality for him. The benefit of the cross was alive in him. It was dwelling in him. He believed it. It was, it was in his consciousness. And you showed us what it did for him. He said, because of this, the love of God, the life of Christ was now controlling him. Many as are led by the Holy Spirit. The life of Christ, the life of the Spirit was now controlling him. Controlling him. Lord, I pray that we understand the importance of letting this word abide in us. It's not just Bible studies or I read Bible. We should pray until it penetrates Every blockade, every unbelief, every fear, every... 
until it penetrates it and takes resi residence in us, until it is planted in us. We assume a lot to our own disadvantage until it penetrates and bears fruit. Because that's when we will see the fruit of that world. Into your hand I commit us, everybody, that Lord, you'll perfect everything that concerns us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.